0: How was your Christmas, man?
1: It was a great Christmas. We uh there were some funny moments which you always gotta love. How was your Christmas?
0: Uh, you know, it's it's pretty much the same every year. You know, you get a couple of pre- you know, we're a little older now, so we don't really get much, but Yeah. I got a nice Kamavinga jersey, so I'm pretty happy about that. because um, 'cause I've wanted one for a couple of years now. Oh is that the New Jersey? Yes, sir. A... Looks, it looks much better in person. It looks much better in person then. Yeah. Because I remember texting that one time, like, God, these kids are ugly for Tottenham. It looks much better in person, though. Um, yeah, it which does. Is always good. Sometimes the TV doesn't always do jerseys justice, as I rock True. my Dortmund jersey today um, with our two stars. Even though I'm not really a <laughs> Dortmund fan, I'll say us, <laughs> I do fuck with Dortmund, though, heavy. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've actually already had some really great games this morning. A couple upsets already. Not going to get too much into it, but. All of all the other leagues go on break for Christmas, except for the EPL and Serie A. Um, so we'll talk about those games. We'll have some more ESL talk. And, you know, to start things off, Sir Jim Radcliffe gets, uh, not approved, but takes a 25% stake of Man United. Um, This is going to be a six-to-eight-week window for it to be confirmed, so we're looking at February so United's gonna miss out on the transfer window in January. So um we have talked about I don't know if we talked about on here, but he's talked about he's talked to other managers like Julian Lopetegui, um, Graham Potter. So, you know, Eric Tenhock has to be feeling pretty um uncomfortable in the hot seat right now of Man United. And they play via today at three. And, you know, I'm not saying that game's gonna make or break it, but it can definitely help or hurt him. How does Jim Radcliffe affect United, in your opinion, presently and in the future?
1: Well, I think we're going to see, uh, it's weird, right? Because United have never been afraid to spend money, but I think they'll be a bit smarter with the money that they'll spend. Um, you know, 25% means this guy's going to have a huge, huge influence on the club, um, the I'm Glazers not cool. already
0: said that he can, he's going to run the football. And so, like the Glazers are already saying we're taking a step back. He can do it. Um, yeah. And he runs Nice currently, like his group runs. Yeah. Nice, which They're doing pretty well in Ligue 1. So.
1: Yeah, no, they're um Nice are a rising team in, in the, in France, you know, they're, they're sort of punching with the Marseilles and the Lyons nowadays. And, um, you know that's that's got to be exciting for United fans. You, nice have had some really good players come through over the past few years. Um, Todibo's re- there right now, um, so you know he knows he knows how to put people in places. At least we think, but everything changes when you get to United. Man, like the fans, the fans have every right to be as powerful as they are, but they're super powerful and they're very demanding. Um, it is interesting that they're missing out on january um i wonder if you know there's some backroom stuff and he'll still be able to pull some strings um i'm not sure i i think you got to get rid of eric ten Hag at this point for any improvements to be made so I, in that in that way ratcliffe can probably only do so much in in my eyes
0: yeah, and you know, part of the issue is is that they're kinda they're kinda digging themselves out of a pit at this point. Um yeah. they spent a lot of money on a lot of people, probably Jim Radcliffe wouldn't have spent money on. And part of the problem is that Eric Ten Hag, like the players have too much power there. Um they should have a sport like in today's day and age, a club like Man United needs a sporting director, right? Like yeah. there are very few clubs that don't need sporting directors. Um and you know the clubs that don't like a Real Madrid. Um, It's because they can pretty much get whoever they want. You know what I mean? Like, they just kind of trust their scouts and like, Junior Calip It's like, hey, go get Vinicius and they're just kind of like, all right, sure, you know, here's 45 mil. Um, Yep. But, you know, he was very hard on I want Anthony. They go spend like 70 on Anthony and that looks like probably the worst signing in Premier League history at this point. Um, Yeah. It just, it doesn't look good for him. Um, you know, guys just kind of shut down his inside and then he's got to go to the outside and he's a very one-footed player, um, which, you know, so are a lot of left-footed players like Robin and Gareth Bale, but they also do a lot better job at creating space for themselves. And that's neither here nor there, just making a point um, that you can be one-footed and still be okay. But Anthony is not Robin or Bale. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, all that being said, I I just think, would you clean house with the players first or would you clean house with the manager first? Or would you do both simultaneously?
1: Well, so it seems as if Ratcliffe is sort of, it says here, Guardian article, he's cutting 300 jobs. Trying to streamline the club. Yes. It's
0: good. And I will just say, I was listening to Gab and Jules and I think United have like, 400 more employees than any other top club in England. Not including Man City because of the Man City group, we don't really know. But I think like Liverpool has like 700 and they have like 1,200. So they're cutting it down to 900.
1: Right. And there's so many, there's so many probably like bureaucratic things there and then, you know, stuff dedicated to like, all right, you scored an important goal for us once you get a job. Um, I know United does a lot of that type of stuff, which, you know, I can respect to some degree. But when when it's gone this way, yeah, three hundred jobs going away, that's fine in my eyes. Um, you know, obviously you feel for those people, but they'll be fine. Um You hope. Yeah, you would hope.
0: <laughs> um I don't think
1: they've that they've also gonna taken claim...
0: economic loss the last two seasons too. Like they have United has taken an economic loss the last two years, which is really bad for a like billions of dollars corporation.
1: Right. And um you know, another article here, Reuters, their shares are rising. So, you know, obviously, you know, investors are, are liking this Ratcliffe like idea. This move, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they will clean house players. I think they will do managers first, managerial staff, just because they're, they have a pretty thin squad. Like they're, they're relying on guys like Kobe Maynard now, um, Garnacho's fully first team nowadays, um. They started, though, I'm forgetting his name, but they started a youth center the back. center
0: back, yeah, I saw that. It's a, he, I wrote it you know, in he, the notes if you want to look. I don't want to even try to say his name, though.
1: <laughs> uh, Let's see here.
0: Come, like like yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, he did fine. It's whatever. And I, I like to see youth youth prospects come up. But for a team like United, when you're playing West Ham away, you know, that's not the prettiest look. That's
0: not what you so, want. You'd rather be at home against the town right
1: exactly and so you know that's that's sort of my reasoning for they just have a thin squad I would expect that they try and sort of beefing up the squad first with some you know rotational players things like this you know Sabitzer a few years ago signings like that. Van
0: de Beek's already out the window um, yeah he's on his way to Frankfurt you know this is that's a guy that I believe he was like 20th in the Ballon and were that year that they bought him um don't <laughs> yeah. quote me on it but i'm pretty sure he made the short list either way you know that being said it kind of was a down year talent wise if i remember correctly i think it was like 2019 2018 2019 um it was a it pretty was. down year um he was linked with real madrid and zidane put a stop to that maybe rightfully so from what we've seen but this is a guy that thrived under Eric Ten Hag for many years at Ajax and now he's in the prem and he's not really thriving um maybe maybe a mid-table club in the top five leagues is much better for him as a player and we don't need to get into that but also you know uh, a reason to beef up the squad and then sell is that teams know you're not desperate and that's kind of a big deal for teams to know you're not desperate like if Real Madrid are going to the market for a center back, we know we're going to get shafted because everyone knows we need a center back because we only have two right now. Right. We're only going to have two for the rest of the year, so, um, you know, maybe that's a reason why I, I would probably try to do both together. I'd probably get the manager in first, but I would go and get like, I would go and get like a young manager that actually has a track record. And I know Ten Hag does have a track record. and He did a good job at Ajax. Um but i, I want to see a manager that has built something himself, not something that grow that the youth team, you know like i don 't really that the club bill um right. you know like we'll get into it Bournemouth, you know they go get Adani uh, Ariola from Rio Cano and they're flying high with another win today um you know that 's someone that i I think you know they're pushing Bournemouth is hitting well above their weight right now because of the manager um. Aston V is another one hitting well above their weight because of the manager. Um, so you know, and I'm not saying that United. Let's just keep it quite frank here. United need a top class manager. They need to go get a world class manager and give them the keys to the kingdom. I don't care if you go get Julian Nagelsmann. I don't care if you go get Hansi Flick. I don't don't go don't go get Julian Lopetegui. Don't go. You know. Mourinho you can go get Mourinho but you know the one thing with Mourinho is he's not going to build for the future he's going to build for now you want a manager that is going to build for the future and for now Um, you know I would say go get a Zinedine Zidane but I doubt he says yes to this kind of job so my eyes would be right on Hansi Flick give him whatever money he wants and I'm not saying give him the keys to the kingdom but tell him look we're not going to push you Um, we know this is a project Um, so we believe in you, and it's something that Chelsea would have done a lot better if they didn't go sign Grand Potter before Pochettino. you know, like if they got Pochettino right away and was like, "Look, we're not going to push you, but like we want to see we want to see results, right like we need, we want Champions League, we want, but you know if they if we see if we can physically see it with our eyes, we're going to be pretty happy about the product, you know we don't expect you to win every game, we don't expect you to win titles. Um, yeah. And that's kind of where I think Ten Hag really went wrong. Is he's like, we're ready to compete with Man City and Liverpool. And everybody except for United fans knew that they weren't. And they <laughs> still aren't. And they're, you know, like Arsenal, how they like they did it right with Arteta, man. Like, you know, they let Arteta build his squad, you know. They go and get the Odegaards. They go and, you know, they get the Martinelli's. They, you know, and then, you know, they add a Ben White for 50 million. And, you know, they have Saliba. And they have Gabrielle, and you know, and then they go spend 100 mil on a hundred million on Declan Rice. You know, to me, that's 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 what United should be trying to do. Right. And, you know, Arteta is a good example of a coach that, like, it's not always great, but at least you can see it. You know, like you can you can physically see, oh, that's what he's trying to do. Um, and you know, Ten Hag, a big knock on him is I think he's bad with the media which, you know, in turn makes it look really bad with the club when someone Arteta is good with the media. You know, Jürgen Klopp is a fucking crybaby, but he's great with the media. Liverpool's another example. You know, they gave Klopp the keys to the kingdom. They're like, yo, Jürgen. That time, you know, and Jürgen turned it around within two seasons. So, and that's why I expect Pochettino to turn around at Chelsea within, you know, two or three years.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. Like, United aren't ready to sort of buy these really expensive players and expect, you know, all right, we're only one to two pieces off. That's exact they're they're not there yet. They need to build into it like Arsenal did, like Liverpool did, you know, a few years ago. Probably almost ten years ago now, which is pretty crazy.
0: Um and they're still kicking though, that's the thing. Yes. And because of Klopp's ideas, they're still successful and they've literally this is not the same squad that we saw win a Champions League five yeah. years ago. Yeah, so, you know, uh... there's still pieces there, but You know, but it's had a lot of turnover and that's the important thing is that when you have turnover, you're replacing. And, you know, let's be honest, this Liverpool side hasn't gotten all their signings right. They've actually gotten a lot of signings wrong and they're still there. So, you know, that's if I was and that's why the sporting director is so important, you know, and bring in a sporting director first and then bring in the coach. Yeah, because you want the sporting director and the coach to be on the same page or (laughs) you bring in Hansi Flick and then you bring someone that Hansi Flick is like. I like this guy you know like yeah if that's the kind of thing that you are going to do you know let's have everybody on the same page
1: right and you know they tried to well it was last year where they brought in this guy from Red Bull who you know was credited for a lot of Ragnik yeah Ragnick, and there was a total they failure could
0: they could have kept
1: I think it was a failure man I don't I mean
0: see, I think it was a failure because they refused to accept him you know what I mean? I don't. A lot of things that he said are now turning out to be correct. You know, he's like, "These players aren't good enough. We have to clean house." Everyone's like, "No, it's you." And now Ten Hag saying the same thing, and you know, now everyone now it's because it's Ten Hag, and they all like Ten Hag. It's all like, "Oh, okay." Rangnick was right. Mourinho was right because Mourinho said the same thing too. But Rangnick, yeah. Rangnick shouldn't have been coaching. He should have been up in the box making the decisions. That's the one difference. But Ragnneth, like he's like kind of like a godfather of football to so like the Klopps and the Hansi Flicks. And, you know yeah. the German and the Tuchels. So like these guys that are super successful in the prem, like Klopp and Tuchel, yeah. he was he was a teacher to them. So like you know like I get the thought process there, but with a guy like that, he's very hard headed, and you kind of have to. He's German. You, jerk, yeah. you know, like you gotta just let him do his thing. Yeah, but moving on, um, just uh, just some more ESL stuff. Uh, obviously, we've done more. I've done more research. I don't know about you. And more information has come out since we last talked about it. Um, so what they're talking about is three divisions: the star, the gold, and the blue. Two teams get relegated from the star and the gold. So from the star, they go to the gold. From the gold, they go to the blue. You have 16 teams in the star and the gold. 20 teams in the blue, which are forever rotating. I'm not sure what that quite means, because, like, if I was really good in the blue last year, but I didn't get relegated, do I get to stay in the blue? Um, Two teams relegated from star to gold. uh, I already said that. Um, So right now, you have two groups of eight. They'll play seven games home and away, so 14 games total. Um, And the reasoning for this is, like, and you know, I saw someone tweet about this today. It's like, look at Newcastle. They got out of the Champions League. They're not going to get top four again. Um, maybe being in the blue would have been better for them. Um, you know, it would have been more their speed. Uh, same thing with Girona, which is, you know, well, if Girona gets first, they go straight to UCL. But maybe it's better for them to go to blue. But why would it be better for them to go to blue? Um, you know, if there's more money in the in the UCL, why would they even? say, okay, I want to go to blue. Um, so in that sense, you need more money in the blue than the UCL. Um, and Reinhardt, the CEO, says it's more sustainable for them to go to blue because then they can build long-term. Um, instead of being in the competition, for one, getting knocked out immediately and then not being able to stay there, And it would be good for building a brand long-term and staying in the competition for a long time. Do you have any thoughts on anything that I just said about format?
1: <laughs> no, I um I actually see where Reinhardt's coming from with the you know, the Gironas and the Newcastles of the world. Um you know, Newcastle obviously that's an asterisk asterisk because of the public investment injuries. fund. But
0: well and the history injuries to them too didn't help, but you know, that's yeah. a part of the season. You know, yeah. welcome to playing a long schedule with a lot of games.
1: But, you know I um I agree with it and um You know, that's what they try to do with like the conference league, but you're not going to, you're not going to finish lower in your domestic league so that you can go to the conference league and, you know, expect to go further than Europa or UCL. Um, So I'm not sure Girona would get into blue this season, you know, if they finished first. Yeah. Is what they're saying. Yeah. Is this, is this because of history or like what's the, What's sort of like the equation behind
0: it? So the equation behind it is stars. Star is kind of like the historical clubs and gold is kind of like also more historical to start. This is just to start. Um, then blue will be, you know, the, the up and coming teams and, you know, so like, uh, Girona, because they get first in La Liga and they're showing, they're showing some spunk and they're playing well, you know, they get invited to blue. And then at that point, it's their job to make sure they stay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that's the thought process, though. You know, um, this is completely different than the format we saw the first time around. So, you know, <laughs> I do like that they're making improvements to the format.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I also think back to like when Leicester won the prem and they yes. went to the round of 16 or even quarterfinals of the UCL. Oh. But long term, that didn't really work out for them as it they're didn't now. not them at
0: all. Yeah, they're literally playing in the championship. They play Ipswich today. Um, yeah, so I
2: don't know. So
0: you know, maybe it would help them help them. And you know, um, so some of the rules FFP applies. So Man City, PSG are not invited. Um, so you expect that to be also shown to Newcastle, but maybe not if Newcastle shows that they've been a part of FFP. Um, the clubs will run the competition instead of UEFA, and all the money goes to the clubs currently teams only get about roughly 20% of the money that they generate so like all the teams together all 60 whatever teams cuz we got 32 32 in conference 32 too as well isn't it so 96 teams all 96 teams share about 20% of the money um that's pretty messed up when you think about it yeah and even more so beyond that i don't know if you saw but Right now, they're offer They're saying games will be free for anyone. Um, so that's yeah. really cool as well. And if you wanted, you could pay ten bucks. They're saying there's a ten month, uh, ten dollar month where you can get like tactical angles and like five different cameras you can watch during the game, and you can get it in different languages if you pay ten euros a month. And then the twenty euros a month is a little bit beyond that. So you know they're coming up with good ideas, and um, yeah, I mean that kind of stuff that's good for the game because, you know, they they talk a lot about how, you know, you got to pay 80 bucks a month to watch just, uh, you know, your favorite, to watch Tottenham play because sometimes they're on Peacock, sometimes they're on NBC, sometimes they're on um, ESPN, you know, like, and they're always on something different. Um, And then you have Paramount for Champions League if they were in Champions League. So, you know, um, yeah, and all that money will go directly to the clubs, which is a
1: big deal. Yeah um, no it's um it's something no we <laughs> we touched on it last episode uh with the free tv for viewers um and you know we don't know how long that would really go on if you know they're going to slam the door on it after one season two seasons and so on um
0: i don't see some, why they would yeah you and, know it, like you're trying to they're trying to build a brand more than anything and you know, pissing off your clientele is not the they 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 realize that they can make more money through advertisements anyway. Yeah, and when you think about it, like if they start getting a hundred percent of the money instead of twenty percent, you know, that extra TV deal that they need, um, and so it's through like Unify or whatever, and Unify is the one that's offering the free, um, so we would be talking at least, I would think, at least a number of years, and you know, something to to think about is. Now we'll get into that. Never mind. We'll get into it next on the next whole points. All right. So we... Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, um, you know,
1: here it's why Why would teams leave? I'm assuming you mean UCL. Yes. Um, the current situation. Um, and like we just talked about, there's more money with the Super League. UEFA is corrupt. I wanted to pick your brain about lesser of two evils. Is this just because of, you know, sort of how... Yeah, you know, it's a bit more virtuous if you want to use that word when it comes well, to revenue you know, sharing, etc.
0: Obviously, I'm I'm going to be super biased because my club is the one that is pushing it so hard, and you know my club yeah. is the inventors. But you know, um, we know how much corruption is going on currently with UEFA. Um, they pretty much have Qatar in their back pocket. Um, you know, Al Khalifi can get his little power rush and you know throw his little tantrums and run down and assault Real Madrid employees and go and, um, you'll probably know a better word for this than me and try to, um, God, not torment, uh, the worse. Yes. The referees, um, at the end of the game and try to, you know, try to big dick them in a way. Uh, Mm. and you know, he got no fines. There was nothing, there was nothing done to him at all. Um, and that's what I mean by the lesser of two evils. And also, you know, we see PSG and City literally get away with murder constantly, and I think a lot of the clubs are really tired of it. Um, And, you know, I don't know how you feel about that stuff, or if you even care. I'm sure you do, because most football fans do, but that's what I mean by the lesser of two evils, is that, yeah. you know, they tried to do this whole power rush, like... I don't know if you remember, but they were like, if you play in the Super League, you can't play for your national team. If you play in the Super League, you'll, you know, you're banned from the World Cup. If you you know, like, if you play in the Super League, like, you can't play in the Champions League ever again. It's just kind of like, you just, you showed, you showed, you know, like, you took off your mask and you showed who you really were. Right, uh, yeah. And and that's what those... I mean by the lesser of two evils. Yeah, when I, I get that. it
1: those types of those types of threats to players even show how much uefa is is scared of something like the super league they they want to keep the status quo obviously they want to keep and i was lining their
0: pockets that's the yeah. big
1: thing
0: they're you know, the to do nothing <laughs>
1: exactly and you know the more we talk about it the more i sort of like the idea of the status quo getting overrun which you probably know why you know like i like I like sort I'm of. I'm the
0: same way. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, know no go. I was just... no.
1: It's just even if it fails, even if the Super League fails, at least they tried to improve the situation for the game.
0: Well, you there know? are a lot of um, there are a lot of very smarter people than you and I, like Sid Lowe, Gab Marcotti. They think that eventually UEFA is going to bend their knee to the big clubs and, um this whole thing's gonna go away, but I don't know why it would go away. You know, like mm. they've already pushed it this far. You know, like they're almost there. Like they're almost at the finish line. Why would they just be like, okay, yep, here are our demands, we're good to go. You know, and I don't I don't see Real Madrid and Barcelona specifically fucking over the small teams, you know, the the historic teams that have been pushed to the sides because they play in a small country like Andre. I mm. you know who just get their guys picked off from them anytime they're decent and then you know they they might win a game in the champions league they might go to the champions league every 10 years when you know a very long time ago there was a lot of teams that were winning champions leagues that aren't now and you know unfortunately football's kind of too far gone from where we were before um i mean yeah yeah and it's it's really sad um but you know Another reason teams might leave is that you know most of these teams aren't really turning a profit. They're not really making money. They're actually losing money, um and like the Italian teams, for example, they're failing big time. Man, like they just get their guys picked off from them constantly. Like Zaniola, who you know is a little bit of a flop since his ACL, but you know, I ideally we would love to see him at you know Juventus or a Roma or a Napoli or. Uh, Milano um instead of flying a straight in the EPL because he's Italian Donnarumma we'd rather see him with a big Italian club and I know he's with AC Milan um but you know he's with PSG and you know we want to see these guys kind of stay in their nation and we want to see you know we don't want to see Bayern win the Bundesliga every year we don't want to see Juventus win the uh, Serie A every year you know like we don't want to see City win the Prem every year uh and you know, also these teams really need to do something to compete with the Premier League because the Premier League has so much power. Oh um, yeah. And you know, I, you know, as you see, I can I put right here. I, I think kind of like the Italian, the Spanish, the Portuguese, and like the Belgium, and these teams will be all for it because they're trying to do anything to you know get in there. Um, and then I think the Prem brands because the PSG has a lot of power there. I think Germany, because they're 50 plus one, will probably stay. And then now we're going to have two competitions that are, aren't are hosting the best teams, so to speak. Um, yeah, because of the I frack. Think the, yeah, I do think the German teams would probably be the first ones to leave um, there. the UCL in that context. Because uh, you just need to convince the German teams that it's not bad. Um, yeah, And then their fans <laughs> will probably go for it. Um, the Prem will be a little bit harder because of the backlash they got last time. Um, But uh, Reinhardt did say, as you see right here, that a Prem team reached out to him and was like, we're going to put out a public statement saying we're against it, but we're in. Um, we can kind of guess who that is. I, I have an idea of who that probably is. Um, Who do you think it is? I'm thinking it's a team that's not usually a top four team, um, like a Chelsea or a Man United, and would love to still compete in these competitions. Yeah. No, I get it. Maybe a Tottenham. Yeah. You know. Um that's something Levy would probably be into. Um yes, he would. And like I said, because of the 50 plus 1 rule. I actually think this would do a lot of good for the German side, but Germans are kind of traditionalist in a lot of ways as much as Europe are. Um kind of like the Prem as well. While, you know, yeah. all these other leagues are realizing they got to start thinking outside the box.
1: I mean, most definitely. When you see uh, teams like and almost get relegated, I mean, they're still in that battle. They've got to change. Um,
0: they need something. They need help, man. <laughs> These clubs need help. They're sinking ships. Yeah,
1: like, you see, the, you see the Ultras just go absolutely nuts on the players, and I don't blame them, although it's not the players' fault, per se. Um, yeah, there needs to be some changes because... The way it's going is, I I just see this as a very similar landscape to college football. I know I mentioned that a little bit before, mm-hmm. but it's like you have bigger brands now: Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, challenging the NCAA because they realize that that that's where the power is. It's with those the big brands and the teams yep. and the players.
2: The They're the ones is the nothing
1: without them. There's exactly nothing without them, and that's what clubs are realizing right now with the Champions League. Is that you think you think people are gonna watch if you have to pull from like wolves or or fucking I don't know Stade Renee because the other the other teams have gone and joined the Super League, you know what I mean? The the is yeah. with these that they teams. can watch
0: for free, by the way. Yeah, so that's that's and that's that's why the free thing is such a big deal. It's like, huh? So you're telling me I can pay to watch? Bayern versus, Lee, you know, Lyon or whatever, like a mid-table. Or let, let's just say, I can pay to watch Bayern versus Union Berlin. Or, you know, in this new one with the 16 teams, we have more condensed top teams in a group. So, you know, or I can see El Clasico six times a year. And I can see it <laughs> twice a year without playing. Or I can see, you know, uh, let's just say Manchester United in it. Oh, I can see Real play Manchester United twice a year you know like i'm i'm, I'm i want to see that you know what i mean and yeah it just makes it really um it makes it really easy um definitely and you know i know i have right here changes i would make right um i actually want to see that star group get a little bigger i i like the number of 32 and also i like the 18 group um so I would go four groups of eight instead of two groups of eight. I know you're you're kind of watering it down a little bit, but here's where the difference comes in: the top four of each advance, and instead of playing directly, the team you know like one plays eight, one plays eight, you now have that draw, which people love the draw. Do you like the Champions League draw? Because I love the Champions League draw. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, you now have that draw. One, you know, top four from each advance, and one can play any of the three from the other ones you know so now you have that draw like oh here we go oh we can either get you know uh leipzig Copenhagen, or you know union berlin from our three you know oh yeah, man, i really want i really want union um and you know i i don't really like i think the two relegated and the two promoted promoted a little small um i i think actually if we did the 32 i think eight relegated and eight promoted would be much better um yeah. Because someone, you know, a team like Man United, just for example, I don't want to I don't want to keep harping on them, but they're just <laughs> someone that comes to mind that you know probably really interested in the Super League. Um you know, they can just kind of sit there and be like oh, as long as we don't get last, we're not getting relegated, you know, and just keep racking up that money and racking up that money and racking, you know and that's I I think that's kind of unfair.
1: Yeah. No, it is and that's that's a big problem of what we've seen in domestic leagues, but also even international competitions, where it's like the last, the last group stage game, and you have teams that are just sitting back because they know the job's done. You want right. to create a situation where you're going down to the final wire as much as possible. It's the best for, for the game, for the product. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you more relegation promotion would probably be a bit better and that that's a major critique of of the new world cup format right with the three groups because you don't have every single group team playing on the last day now mm-hmm. we're moving to 48 teams and yeah. you know some teams are going to know where they're at and that happens right now for sure but it's going to become more frequent now with the expansion and that was one of the major critiques because you know this past world cup it was Japan and Costa Rica were going through over Spain and Germany at one point, and it was absolutely wild. You know, that's the things I like to see, at least,
0: and I'm sure yeah, a lot was, of it other It was great fans. for entertainment. It was really yeah. great for entertainment purposes. Yeah. So, I agree. Going up with ESL talk, I was going to say UCL talk. Well, I guess it was technically UCL talk as well. Man yeah. City Club World Cup champions. Uh, what's that, their fifth trophy in 2023? Mm-hmm. Man City beat Fluminense. 4 nil. No KDB, no Holland, no problem. Any <laughs> thoughts on the game?
1: Uh, not the match itself. You know, you obviously expect City to win. But the Fluminense manager, Denise, I personally think is one of the most exciting in the world. But, you know, we talked a little bit before this. He's managing Fluminense and Brazil right now. Who knows how long he'll be with the Brazil national team. But Gordiello was left very impressed. There's tons of content online. I was trying to write down specifics, but just technical difficulties. Um, You know, not only is he impressed with Denise, you know, multitasking, but he's impressed tactically. He's impressed with his uh, sort of mix of the young players like Marcelo or older players like Marcelo with younger players. So definitely one to keep your eye on. And, you know, a lot of these managers in South America don't come to Europe quite often. So, yeah, that's a, That's one to watch.
0: Yeah, and, you know, just a point, um, a lot of people were talking about their build-up phase, and I think Pep was as well. Um, Not a knock, just an observation. Um, It's real easy for your build-up phase to look good when you got eight guys in your defensive third trying to build up all on top of the box. Um, City are only pressing with five guys. But, you know, um, maybe that's the way of the future. I don't know. Well... Um,
1: just to talk about that real quick it's what he's doing is a bit more it's well it's a much different than positionalism it's sort of this idea of relationism i've heard it be called which you know it sounds like you're bringing in like philosophical concepts but anyways it's more contextual more more present oriented in the sense of like okay if you if you were building up from the back, drop down, fucking help your teammates. Or if you're a right winger and you notice, okay, I have a guy coming down the left wing, I'm going to get into the box now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend that like me being an inside forward here is the most important thing and holding the space. No, I'm just going to go for it. And so, you know, it's an exciting brand is really all I'm trying to say.
0: And we don't need to get into relationism versus uh, positionalism, but it's a big hot topic right now. And relationism yeah. is more so very prominent in the South American game, while positionalism is really prominent in the European game. And there's really only one relationist side in Europe right now, um, and that's okay. the Real Madrid team, which really doesn't have much structure to it at all. And it's kind of been that way for a long time, where you just kind of let the players, you know, use their individual brilliance, um, you know. Uh, and when you kind of get the positionalism in there, you know, you kind of give direct tasks and it doesn't, that's not beneficial for a player, just for example, like a Vinicius. Um, no. So, what? Good on Man City. You know, it was, the, yeah. it was their cup to lose. Uh, just another for trade sure. out of the cabinet. And they keep growing that history. Um, are they the biggest team in Manchester now?
1: You would, you would have to say so, right? I mean. I would
0: think so. Don't tell United fan, but. I mean, they've won every trophy, they've got a treble under their belt now.
1: That's a quintuple. Yeah. I um you know, Pep has changed the nature of the Manchester Derby now, you know. I obviously didn't see it too much. You know, man, you beating up on City every every time, but it's just funny to see like Sir Alex Ferguson quotes where he's saying, you know, I'll never see City become better than United in my lifetime yeah. and it's definitely a reality now.
0: Um, so, scored Liverpool's up one nothing. oh um, nice. Now to La Liga, they had one game to make up after they had feared that Madrid was going to flood. As I don't know if you know, but it really never rains in Madrid. Um, mm. Atletico beat Sevilla one nil. They both had. Strong side before the Christmas break. It was a point nine three to a point three two XG. So you know, one nil seems like a fair result. Athletic kinda dominated the first half, and then Sevilla dominated the second half. Clear red, went to bar, right call. Yes. But taking the headlines for the match, Rodrigo paul's hair, man, what was up with that?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's uh I respect the boldness, but I don't think he's pulling it off. Um it just doesn't doesn't work for me.
0: No, not for me either. Um, but Atletico come out, yeah, with three points, and they end up jumping Barcelona. So the top four going into Christmas break in La Liga is Real Madrid, Girona, Atleti, and Barcelona. Mm. Did you think before the year that Barcelona would be in fourth by the halfway point?
1: Definitely not. You would have you would have thought they were going to be in the top three at least, and you know kind of broken that up. Um, you know the summer window for them wasn't that good. Um, you know they signed Vitor Roque, who's now coming in now. Um, yeah. but no, I wouldn't have expected them to be in fourth. How about yourself?
0: Um, I, I thought they were going to have a dip. Um, yeah. they weren't going to be as good as last year. I mean, they were champions last year, but I think they've fallen off much more than I could ever thought they were going to fall off. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because Lewandowski's form is quite poor right now. Um, But moving to the ETL, which does not get a Christmas break, unfortunately, which I actually think hurts the Premier League teams. But no City game because they were busy playing, I don't even know where the game was, but they are busy playing Fluminense <laughs> and the big game of the weekend, Liverpool-Arsenal, high one-to-one and yet another boring Premier League game among your two european giants.
1: Yeah. I I think I disagree with you a little bit. You know, it wasn't it wasn't entertaining per se because it was very messy. Um very messy. But I kind of like that. It reminded me of when Liverpool and City would have these big matches, you know, two or three years ago. Um and the tensions are so high. You know, obviously the tilt was pretty much even and that's what you know, as I said, these past Liverpool City matches were like, um, so it reminded me a lot of that.
0: Um, I guess my issue with it is they're not even creating chances, though. You know what I sure. mean? Like, yeah. you can go back and forth. It essentially was a basketball game where they just continuously shoot threes and just don't make them. <laughs> yeah, that's You a know fair what I mean? Th- yeah. And that's kind of boring for me as someone that likes the Bundesliga and someone that you know prefers the technical. I grew up in La Liga, man. it's the most technical league in the world. So I prefer a more technical side instead of a messy game like you said. I think the messiness was a great way to put it. Um but next you of 1.04 to 0.66 among a team that is a UCL favorite, my favorite I just mean like a top 5 and Europa League favorite and a team that two teams that are fighting for the prem, it just you expect more. That's all. That's that's where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah. And that's that's fair. Um
0: when Trent misses that huge chance from Salah, that that should have won them the game right there.
1: It should have. And Liverpool did look the better team for the most part. Um, I thought so too. Arsenal, Arsenal when when Saka's not on fire, they're in trouble offensively. Um, I also, I don't know what's wrong with them. You know, obviously they're in first, but it just hasn't been as good as the last season, in my eyes. You know they haven't I'm had talking the... about arsenal. Yeah, or... yeah. Okay. They haven't had like the Gabriel Jesus red hot form from the beginning of last season. They're missing. They're definitely missing a striker. I.
0: I don't know. You got out a nine. You got out a nine at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Kind of Liverpool's woes as well. Um, they're heavily relying on Mohamed Salah.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, our is really good. In a lot of aspects, but finishing is not one of them. He's either really good or really cold. There's no in between. Right. Moving on, West Ham beat United. United dropped points, and actually, the game was again pretty even despite the field tilt being heavily United. Not United's favor, but that's probably because of the way West Ham decided to play. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. The XG was in West Ham's favor, but the XT was in United's favor, both only marginally. But Garnacho continues to be the best player for Man United, and you can't expect Garnacho to score three goals to win three to two. I don't even I don't even think you expect Son to score three goals to win three to two.
1: No, absolutely not. Um, and you know, you have here. It's a cruel game. I would I would agree with you. A draw could have been a fair result. United are just la- lacking a striker, like we just said. Um, Hoyland is not the answer. I was happy to see Rashford At least not come right on. now. Yeah. Um, you know, if he's still finding his feet in the Prem, sure, fair enough. Um but no, West Ham, they did this classic West Ham counterattack. You know, we'll take our chances. And Mohamed Kudus, Kudus is one of the best players in the league. I was very jealous of West Ham bringing him in this past summer. Um it's a great signing. He was from uh, the
0: Eredivisie, right?
1: Yes, and you know, obviously that's a bit risky, but I would, I would be inclined to say, Kudus is, Kudus missing is one of the big reasons Ajax is struggling so much right now. Um, you know, not to drag Ajax into it, but it's kind of a pertinent topic when you talk about United and a former I mean, player
0: scoring on them. I was going to say they love, Hog uh, loves these Eredivisie players, so you know, yeah, um. Even, you know, and I, and I put here, it's a cruel game, man. Like, I just, it was it was hard to, like, I'm not even a United fan, but, like, that Jared Bowen bounce he got for the goal, man, you're just like, God. like yep. I, I'm all for, you know, United's downfall as long as they stay up. Um, Just because I, I don't really like the way that they've treated a lot of their players, um, Definitely. Ken Hawk. Um, yeah. And, you know, that being said, though, it's just, I, I kind of actually feel bad for them a little bit. um, Not a lot. Just, just a little bit. Because, you know, it's just... It's just been a fall for a good 10 years now. And it's just... Yeah. It's, usually guys bounce back, but they haven't. At all.
1: They have not. And, you know, Ten Hag mentioned in his post-game presser how they dominated for 72 minutes. And, uh, like you wrote down here, it was a lapse of 5 minutes, and West Ham win the game. So... You know, from that standpoint, you do feel bad for them, but you have to you have to finish your chances. And this has just been the story all season for the most part. You know, obviously they've had a few games where they score some goals. But um, you know, if it's Rashford finding a hot streak again, I don't know. We'll see what they do in January, you know, now that we're a few days away.
0: Rashford's clearly done something to push him on the outskirts of this team. I don't know what it is, but I mean, I know has kind of been the better player, but still. Yeah. There's, kind of, there's some, you know, Rashford's on heavy wages. He is you, you're usually not a player that's going to be pushed to the edges of the squad.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know it's happened with Sancho and Varane, so who knows?
0: Was Varane? was he, I, I saw he didn't make the squad. Was he injured or did he just not make the squad? Do you know? I'm not, I don't want to I don't say follow Durbin. United. That yeah. That. Okay. Um. So moving on, Tottenham beat Everton 2-1. But Everton's, <laughs> you know, as I've been calling it, the fucky form, pretty much continues. Everton, Everton, very unlucky. 1.69 to 2.42 xg, 1.24 to 1. 1.5 xt, and the field hit 32 to 62, all in Everton's favor. Yet Tottenham come away with the two points. It's, it's got to be the better quality, right? I would say
1: so. Um, you know, if Everton had players like Klusiewski and Son and attack, they would have scored some more goals. Um, Andre Gomez had a really good game, by the way. and It was his first start of the year um, for Everton. That's a
0: name I haven't heard in a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he was dominant. Um, Vicario also, big reason. Big reason why we escaped three points. He made some incredible saves. And you know, I'm I'm ready to say he's one of the top goalies in the Premier League for sure, like without a doubt. Um, so yeah, the quality for sure, because you know Pickford isn't as good as Vicari. I'd say, no, yeah, really he had some he's very sketchy anyway. moments.
0: Um, yeah, it still gets into the English national team.
1: I know it's a it's a travesty. Um, no, you're exactly right. The fuck you form continues. We deserve to lose at home.
0: They play City tomorrow. You think you think they take points off City?
1: Is it uh is that Goodison Park?
0: It is. I I'm I actually think they take points off City. I, I it's a hot take. Um we'll see I, we'll I see mean, in the coming days, but Yeah. That's my hot take. I think Everton actually take points off City. Um all the top teams have been dropping points though, so <laughs> City I, I know we talked about this a couple episodes ago, you know. Is this the year City could go trophyless? Well, this is now City could go you know, City beat Everton, they're gonna be on the up and up and they have a game in hand. So Yeah. Um against Brentford. So they mismatched day 18. Um I want you to talk a little bit of the um uh, the Pochettino Pochettino God um tactical shift on Ben Davies who according to a lot of advanced metrics was actually the best player on the pitch.
1: Yeah. And um yeah, you know, you're watching the game and I forget who the color commentator was, but he was like Ben Davies is having a great game. And he started, you know, kind of going on a tangent about how he thinks Ben Davis is super underrated. Um, he is. This is a, a good player. Yeah, this is something that's, from a Spurs perspective, you could have seen coming for a long time. This sort of left-sided center-back, left-back hybrid, almost like a Tio Hernandez for Milan type of ordeal, um, where he has license to go forward no matter where he's at on the pitch. And, you know, obviously... Something-
0: Alaba-esque. For yeah. Real Madrid too.
1: And so obviously someone will rotate and you know sort of fill in.
2: Yeah.
1: Um Yeah, so he's he's allowed to underlap and wind up at like the edge of the 18-yard back centrally. Um it's it's so crazy and so much fun. But like I was going to say he um uh, You saw a lot of this under Conte last year. He was one of our best players, I would say. Last season he's just his football IQ is very good. He knows when to go forward. He knows when not to go forward. Um, and he's a great passer of the ball. If he had more pace, he'd be challenging Van Deven for the starting starting role. Um, but unfortunately, he does not have that pace. Yeah. Um, there's are really not...
0: Are you comfortable with him back there?
1: <sighs> not. N- no. But it's not his fault. The only reason I'm not comfortable with him back there is because Romero's his partner. With, uh, with Van de Ven, you knew that the recovery pace was there. And so you're not going to have to foul and pick up a yellow card, whereas Ben Davies would have to. And so when you have that w- risk, along with Romero, just being a permanent flight risk, like forever, um, that's the only reason why I'm not.
0: So, So if you were if you had license over transfers for <laughs> Tottenham and you were to yeah. go to right center back, you would go look for someone with pace so that when you match up, so you have a direct replacement for Romero that can play with Ben Davies and with Van de and then when Van Devin's in, you can kind of play either, and then when Davies comes in, you can kind of slot in that RCB with a little bit more pace. Is that my understanding of the situation?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um I just yeah I don't think Romero's the best partner for Davies so you, you did you did get it right um, which is not any disrespect on Romero he just no, needs he's a to reel classic
0: center back yeah
1: he's one of the best in the league and I saw I should have grabbed it but there's a statistically at least one measure he's been the best in the league this so far I, this he's been,
0: I think he's been really good this season so yeah I think he's been really good. Um and someone you guys have been linked with recently recently is Todibo who you mentioned a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, have you done any ex Barcelona guy? Have you done any research on him? Or yeah. No, not really.
1: No, I I've, I obviously know about him and I think he's a great physical dynamic center back. Um, they're not very optimistic that we could bring him in. Um, I always he's linked with know.
0: United as well.
1: Yeah, and it's tricky because you obviously want to start Romero and Van So, like bringing in someone like Todibo or Tapso, it's like these guys are going to want to start. So
0: and they're good enough too. That's the thing. Yeah,
1: so it's it's very tricky. Um, but I also trust Pasta Coglu to like potentially found find a way to start three center backs, maybe. Um,
0: yeah, if you have Especially someone Pedro like being able to yeah. go off the right, you know. Um, yeah, so. And Tap Sobo does play a left LCB for Leverkus. Yeah, Tap Sobo, who's someone that you guys were linked with before. Yeah. Um, over summer. So if that was, like, the plan, you know, that's someone that you could bring in that, you know, has a lot of pace and could partner Romero as well and you feel pretty comfortable. Yeah. Um, moving on to Chelsea Wolves. Wolves beat Chelsea 2-1 <laughs> to one at home. I know we're not really surprised, but Nkunku gets the goal, and he's got to be pretty upset moving from a flying high Leipzig, where he was the top scorer in the Bundesliga to this shambolic Chelsea squad.
1: I mean, absolutely. You know he hasn't had he hasn't had an, enough time to make an impact. To be fair, on like the squad as a whole,
0: it um, would be better if he's been around all year than what they are. Yeah, but they still and drop they're... points. To the Wolves with him. But he didn't start either. He He
1: did not start. And they're
0: also missing Enzo,
1: um, which, you know, love him or hate him. He's like the only one that's going to make them somewhat competent in possession. I was going
0: to say progressive is a good word, too. Yeah.
1: So, (laughs) you know, I'm just making this last bullet point. Do we actually know what Potts is trying to accomplish? No, we do do not know right now. That Mitchell is hard to watch, man. Yeah, and both under that. Gary O'Neill. Yeah, it's so it's so messy, and you know this was our takeaway, or my takeaway from the Chelsea United match a few weeks ago. Both of these teams are so sloppy in possession, you know. It's not it's, it's not a fun watch, certainly. But I'm obviously
0: oh, Potch is better than this man, like. Absolutely. You have you have class there too, bro. Like Enzo should be class, like Kaiseido should be there to sweep everything up, like. And then you can kind of put a, like a ten in front of him and feel pretty comfortable that you're going to have the progression and the defensive stability in balance and like if you wanted to put a Cole Palmer there or if you wanted to put an Nkunku there or cuz you know, we talked about going to a 4231 but I don't think he can play a back four with the squad he has right now. I think no. that's part of the issue, too.
1: Yeah, he cannot. Uh, you know, there's injuries there, obviously. You know, they've had to resort to play Mark Cucurella as so a right back, you know, with Reese James and Malagusto out at some points. But this is the problem with so many young players, is that the consistency won't be there. And when you're relying on a 20-year-old Nicole Palmer or how old Moodrick. is Mudrick? Twenty, twenty-one. You know, something like that, yeah. It's like the Garnacho point. You, you're putting so much pressure on these guys.
0: And Enrique Jackson, they, too. Yeah, and while they're great players, I, which Things I can say. Probably are going to be better. Mm-hmm. Paid for potential.
1: You know, the only seasoned guy there is Tiago Silva at this point. Well, Literally. and Kanku, too. And Kanku, too, but he hasn't, he hasn't been there yet, you know.
0: Yeah. He's going to change but that's, things. That's bad. That's I know. It's real really bad. guys and you're Chelsea and you, you want to be competing for titles. And even on top of it, you actually have a title coming up in the Carabao Cup and you don't really have, you know, if you end up playing Liverpool in that final, you're probably going to get your ass kicked.
1: I would think so. Because that's when you need to rely on guys like they used to have. Like Aspilicueta, or you know, I'm I'm blanking. Marcos Alonso. Ruediger. Those types of guys, yeah, those types of guys would pop up and provide a sense of security. You know, Rudiger would score like a nasty thirty yarder every now and again. Yeah, even
0: better. Yeah, so they miss. They miss. They just have no bite in them either. Um, None. You know, when Rudiger left, they kind of lost that bite, unfortunately, and that's something yeah. that they could actually use right now that they don't really have. Um, yeah. But are I'm, we really surprised that they drop points to the Wolves? Because I'm not no, at all. Because and that's I think bad.
1: It is bad. But I also think this is a good place to sort of give credit to Wolves because they have been pretty good under Gary O'Neill.
0: They've been actually a lot better than you and I thought they'd be. Yeah, and Nelson Semedo,
1: he has a few moments in these games where he just good, absolutely man. destroys a Chelsea he player. Was
0: good. He was good at Barcelona, too. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that fantastic, been... but he was good.
1: Yeah, they have a really interesting team, and Gary O'Neill was a good coach. You know, he didn't get sacked from Bournemouth because he was bad. Bournemouth were just like, we're, we need to be ruthless in this situation and get rid of you because we have a better coach. But Gary O'Neill's is a good coach. Yeah. He, he is. Um, so, you know, all credit to Wolves as well. But, uh, you know, Chelsea shouldn't be losing the game.
0: No. And then VIA drop points at home. And they did. They actually, yeah, to Sheffield United of all teams, um, you know, it was kind of weird seeing such. I, honestly, I think they probably had their their goggles, their blinders on. You know, they were probably focused on something else. Um, they, Honestly, I think they were pretty focused on their last results. I, I don't think they were looking to the future. I think they were looking to the past. I mean, like, look at all these teams that we beat here. Yeah. Sheffield United is going to be a walk in the park. And then they struggle, and it takes a Zaniolo header. And 90 plus 7 to, to even snatch a point.
1: Yeah. And you know, that's a... <laughs> when you're going to compete in the prem for a title with teams like Arsenal, Liverpool, and City, this, this is unacceptable because... Even you compete know, for top
0: four. That, that's what, that's yeah, what the kicker was for true. me. It's like you can't lose to Sheffield or you can't tie Sheffield at home and expect to make top four. In any league. That goes for any league in the world yeah and whether essentially you can't lose you can't hire relegation side at home bottom line any league it's so
1: true and it's isn't it kind of funny how like the narrative
0: sort of shifts almost already
1: about this via team it's
0: it's always what have you done for me lately um yeah and you know i i don't think it's a knock on them but i just kind of think we've seen their their ceiling and their floor within like a week span you know what i mean or probably two weeks, really a three weeks span, because they didn't really look that good against Brentford either. But they mm-hmm. were away from home, and we know that they struggle away from home. Yeah. Um, but that's all I wanted to touch on the VIA game. Um, and then them drop points to Burnley. side's picking up points. What's up with that?
1: It's that time of the year where there are some, you know, injuries have built up and players are tired. Also, tired. Fulham. Yeah, Fulham's a very streaky team. Like, obviously, we know what happened today, which we'll get into in the next ep. But, um, no, Burnley Burnley can punish teams like these that are weak in defense. Um, two goals from .37 XG total. Um, it is unlucky. And, you know, Craven Cottage is not a fortress. So, like, you know, for Burnley to be away from home, I don't think it's a huge deal.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, but you gotta pick up points at home, man. That you always gotta pick up at least a point. To be to stay in the league, you need to win get points at home. For sure. You're right. And, yeah. and especially the relegation sides. Like and, yeah. you know, we were talking about Everton kinda like separating themselves from the bottom. I don't know if you check the standings. They're only a point they're only a point out of the relegation zone right now. They are so, only a point. They do have a game in hand, but it's against Man City, so you know, like because Luton picked up points today. Um, so, uh, but you know, just touching on um, other things, Crystal Palace and Brighton tie one-one. Um, any thoughts on that one?
1: No, other than Elise starting to hit his stride again, um, which I don't know if the city transfer rumors preseason you know played into his. Mind, I know he had some injury problems, but it's always good to see Elise in great form because he's he's the the heir to Zaha's throne there in Crystal Palace and um, Brighton. This is just a typical Brighton result.
0: Yeah, That's, yeah, right on par. Um, yeah. And Bournemouth, Solanka scores a late winner to take all three points away from home against Forest.
1: Yeah, Dominic Solanke so in in great form, which we'll also discuss in the next episode.
0: That's that's what? A couple wins in a row for Bournemouth. And then th- the real devastating result of the weekend was Luton beating Newcastle 1-0. Yeah. <sighs> Newcastle's yeah. going to be a mid-table team by the end of the year, man.
1: They are. They, you know, It, it stinks because they are dealing with injuries. This isn't a result of bad form necessarily or tactical mistakes yeah. they seem very tired and we'll also get into this in the next episode but Luton are a team that is sort of finally finding their feet in the prem and Andrews Townsend this is this is something that Chelsea lacks a seasoned guy like Andrews Townsend who's been around since I was even a you know a young child don't they have Barkley too they do have Ross Barkley too and did, you know but you know, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. He's been there, you know. He's been there, and um, you know, it's something Newcastle lack to go into an environment like Luton. You need you need a seasoned veteran, and I know they have a few, but it a few up of those guys him go are to, too, though. Yeah. I um,
0: forget what's it called <laughs> like Old Town Road or something like that, or I forget. Uh,
1: I, I forget because it's a very moving...
0: specific name. Kenilworth Road. See, yeah, I knew it was something Road. There we go. They're, it's a tough stadium to go to, man. Uh, they yeah. they had complaints where they weren't even allowed to start the season at home because they need to get the field up to Premier League level, um, right? And which you know,
1: um, just the Luton Luton Town stadium talk. They they're sort of letting Kenilworth Road run down a little bit because they're moving to Power Court. Which, if anyone wants to take a look at the renderings, looks pretty cool actually. There's a there's, like, lots of gaps in the upper portion of the stadium bowl, and it looks it looks kind of cool.
0: I'm I'm kind of sad that you just said that. I hate when teams leave their stadiums. Like, I understand it is necessary for growth as a club, but I'd rather yeah. just see teams renovate instead of building new. Sure. Um, yeah. Like, I would have, I, I really wish Atleti would have stayed at the uh, Calderon. I thought that was a great environment. And though there's, they, you know, they have a great environment at the Metropolitano, but it's just, it's not, it's not home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. eventually if he comes home, but it's not the same. Um, same at White Hart Lane. You know, I, I really, that was part of the reason I liked Tottenham when I first started following. Um, yeah. I like Pochettino, you know, I like Kane. I like Son, but like, I really like the environment. I like the stadium. I, I, those old time stadiums are really cool, man. Um, but, you know, uh, hopefully they don't tear it down and they keep it for something else. Um, and just kind of maybe have like the country renovated. I mean and I don't know where Luton town is located. Um oh, but I'm looked sure they up. have I'm sure they have other clubs there that could actually probably use an upgrade it to that stadium. Um yeah. And it's it's a really cool stadium. Like there's houses connected to it on the outside and stuff. Like I mean it's real old school man. It's <laughs> it probably the coolest stadium in the Prem, to be quite honest.
2: That's I mean, people's backyard
0: is literally the stadium. Yeah, it's um Luton
1: is like a on the outskirts north of London.
0: they have to have someone close to there? Absolutely, um, like that could use the stadium. Like, dude, it's so cool, man! It's so cool that they literally have like you—you're literally walking through people's like kitchens to get to the stadium, bro. It, it's yeah. so cool.
1: It is pretty cool.
0: That's a nice stadium, man. Like. They just don't build them like that anymore, if you know what I mean. Definitely not. But moving on, um, Serie A talk. Roma beat Napoli two nil as Napoli's form continues to be inconsistent. Um, but Big Rom gets a goal and finds himself in great form: eight goals, one assist in Serie A, and five goals and one assist in Europa League. Is is this is is Mourinho like just the striker whisperer or something? Because this guy just. Tammy Tammy Abraham has his best year. Lukaku has a great year at Man United under him, and then you know has another good year at Roma.
1: Yeah, no, I. Mourinho does have a way of galvanizing strikers. Obviously, you think way back to Drogba as well. Um,
0: Higuain mm-hmm. played really good under him.
1: Yeah, so you know he likes he likes those you know bigger physical strikers. Um,
0: yeah, that's the, the most red tough. cards.
1: The one is crazy. I forget which player it was, but I didn't think it was a red necessarily. Um.
0: um Politano. I thought it was crazy. Yeah.
1: It, it was, was pretty. Great.
0: That wasn't even a yellow, in my opinion. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty weak. I, you know. And it cost him the game worst of all because it was still nil-nil at that point. Not that. In, as we see from the advanced metrics, um. XG was 1.9 to 7. So yeah. you know, fair result. But you know, I, I want to know how much of the XG was before the red card, because exactly. it was probably a pretty fair game at that point. Um, and Mourinho—I don't know if you saw, but Mourinho and Cavard Scalia got into it at one point. Did you mm-hmm. see that video? Yeah, it yeah. was pretty interesting. Um, I would actually love to see Cavard Scalia under a Jose Mourinho. I, I think that would do that kid wonders.
1: Yeah. Um. Well the one thing I wanted to say is that Mourinho is as close to a player as possible without being a player. Like he that's just what he does best. Getting in the heads of stars like Carver Scalia. He also clashed with O C Man, I'm pretty sure.
0: Um picks up a red card and now him and Politano are both suspended.
2: Yeah, that Napoli front
0: huh? line's pretty deep though. Um not to say that uh their are level, but, uh, or Politano level, but, you know, having Simeone there, having, uh, Ras, there, they, they, they properly back the squad knowing that Man would not be there for the future. Right. So good yeah, on them. That's true. Um, Bologna beat Atalanta one nil and it seems to be on the back of Xerxes, who's probably been the best striker other than Oshaman and, Serie A. Yeah.
1: No, you you pointed it out to me the other day, and I took a look, and he has had a great season. He's the reason they knocked out Inter in uh Coppa Italia, with the two assists. Yeah. And um. No, it's a good result. Bologna are for real. Like, I mean, obviously, mm. we talked about this, but yeah, Galvanta
0: is the coach too. Which who done
1: yeah, that? That's really cool. You love to see another center defensive mid coach. Rise Always. up the ring, ra- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, the
0: thing at this point. It really is, and you know, they see the game. You know, they see the game for what it is. But
1: it's also, you know, not to not to broaden our scope more than just this match. But some something like broaden. Bologna for a former player as a coach is better than Lampard stepping into Chelsea, Steven Gerrard stepping into Villa. You know, like. This is this is a a space to watch for someone like Thiago Mata. If, if uh, on par you know,
0: with Alonzo going to Leverkusen, like yeah. it's it's like it's, it's like it's a good level to be at where the pressure is high, but it's not like you are gonna get ran out of town if you fail.
1: Yeah, and because now, of your name, exactly. And now Lampard is his manager. He He'll committed managerial again. suicide by doing that interim role with Chelsea. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Bologna is for I think real.
0: Gerard has essentially committed managerial suicide too. He's in Saudi right now. Um, true. True. So, yeah. He might be making a lot of money doing that crew. So good for him. But, yeah. Um, and we probably should mention I know this is a little uh, off topic, but Nuno took over the Nottingham Forest role after being fired from Al Ittihad. Kind of, to me, weird. Um
2: but it you know, if it
0: works, if it works for them, it works. Because he's not a very good manager. I don't know if you heard, but he tried to bench Karim Benzema in uh, Saudi, because he said he preferred the other striker's qualities of um, the Al Ittihad team. So, I imagine not wanting a Ballon d'Or winner of two years ago in your team.
2: Yeah, um, I
0: know this is it's off topic, but back to Bologna, just fantastic yeah. form. Um, and I'm happy for them I and Diego Mota like, many young managers that are taking up sides, um, like, Iri- Iri- Iriola, for for Bournemouth, and, um, Robbie Leverkusen, um, you know, find your, find your level, start low, find your level, if you're worth going higher, you will be hired higher, you know, like, Iriola did it at Rio Vallecano first, you know, and let's say you fall in love with, like, let's say you Diego Mota loves being at Bologna, and he can build something there. You know, no one you'll you'll become a club legend, bro, if you just stay. Yeah. Um, same with Cobby Alonso. You know, they were in the relegation zone, and then they fought up for Europa League. And you know, I, I hate to say it, and I don't want to jinx it, but I personally think that they're staring down the barrel of a treble for Leverkusen. And yeah. Uh, you know they get past they get past Stuttgart, it's looking really good for the dfb it's looking it's already looking really good in the league and you know the europa league is in my opinion it's right now it's them or liverpool so you know as a lot of people say water always finds its level um so you know if you keep pushing high you'll keep getting picked up and you know diago mota one day will be managing a big side. Um, to me, he's someone that Juventus should really look at post Allegri because um, I think he's someone that he's going to understand Syria A and it's going to be a good fit for him. I know Conte is kind of eyeing up that Juventus job, but um, right now, I think I'd rather, if I was Juventus, I think I'd rather have a Diego Mota, someone that could build something than a Conte who's just going to come in, tear down, build up, and then tear it back down. Yeah. And, you know, he's the one that deserves the—him and Xerxes deserve all the flowers for the Bologna stuff. Um, And, you know, not not to mention, they beat Atalanta, man. It's not like they just beat a scrub side. Like, I sent you that tweet. I don't remember what it was, but they've picked up a lot of points since he's taken over. Yeah, I mean— last 18 games or something, they haven't lost or something like that.
1: Right. They only have two losses on the season, and they're sitting in fourth place right now. You know, they're not—they're 13 behind— Points behind Inter and first, you know they're not going to challenge for the title. But Bologna managing UCL or Super League, whatever it turns out to be, that's a great thing for them. They're five matches unbeaten right now, and their last three include a good win over Atalanta, Inter win and Roma win. You know, only conceding one goal throughout those three matches. They're a great. They're a great side, and it's a. You know, it's one for football hipsters to get excited about, I guess. They're sort of like like a Brighton of Syria right now. Um
0: Yeah. And I'm trying to find that tweet I sent you about the Mota. I can't seem to find it. Which is weird. It's, but... it's also
1: really nice to see like a guy like Xerxes oh, who's it. who's been around for a long time. You know, he they was They only have
0: one loss in their last eighteen. There you go.
1: There you go. That you know, that's beating that's AC
0: Roma, Inter, and Atalanta in the space of one week. Yes, sir. That's pretty impressive. It is,
1: and uh, like I was saying, it's um, it's cool to see a guy like Xerxy start to really find his feet and turn into a mature footballer. Obviously, he was at Bayern for a long time as a youngster. Uh, never really worked out for him, um, but now always I'm seven been a good goals. player, though. Yeah. Seven goals and two assists and 17 in the Serie that's, A. That, that's great.
0: Um, yeah. I was going to say, um, Inter stay top and win 2 nothing after being eliminated in the Copa Italia. And Milan drop points to bottom of the table. They might not be bottom of the table anymore. But Salentina is that how you say it? I always say it wrong. I'm looking at it one day. Salar and Tana, thank you. Um, yeah. Two two, and you know, it, it's kind of weird seeing the two Inter sides that were fighting it out for so long now find themselves kind of opposite. And it's not like this Milan team's been bad, but ten, two, and four—they're nine points back of the Inter. They've pretty much been knocked out of every competition. They fell into Europa League by the look of the by the skin of their pants, bro. Yeah. Because they beat Newcastle. That was it. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's... If they uh, would have tied Newcastle, they they would have been out. So... And they they upgraded their squad, though. You know, like, I I thought they got better from last year. Yeah. Like, with Samu Chakwezi, they added Christian Pulisic. You know, they added guys that can at least raise their level. Right. And,
1: you know, I would say even more importantly, they held on to guys like Tamori... And uh, Rafael Liao, you know, who are always under threat from being pushed by well bigger and clubs.
0: Having a good year too, like it's not like has yeah. been bad. Um, they got Mike Magnin in Net, who's still amazing, the the French number one. So it, it's kind of weird. And you know, when you read all the sets, they're ten to and four. They're really not doing that bad. But
1: no, they're not. But you did expect but them. But they're to not be...
0: doing. You expect them to be competing, and they're not competing. Right. And that's kind of the issue, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's also worth
1: mentioning, Salernitano did go down to 10 men um, towards the very back end of the game. But it also took Milan till the 90th minute to score an equalizer, to even come yeah. away
0: with a point. I forgot Luka um, Jovic is the backup striker. He scored the freaking equalizer. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You probably have nightmares. He doesn't really bother me that much, but... Um... In other Italian results, Lazio beats Empoli 2-0. Genoa beats Sassuolo 2-1. That's kind of surprising for me. Fiorentina beat Monza 1-0. All of the winners away from home, up to the state, Juve beat Frosnose 2-1, which is... Frosnose is pretty good at home. And Unadense gets another draw 1-1. Yeah. And Verona beats Caleri 2-0. <laughs> we In another talk... news... <laughs> In another news, though, did you see Hercules knocked out Ajax in the Copa? Um, I don't even know what it's called. Um, yeah, whatever they call the Ajax Cup. Yeah, Ajax it's, Cup, the Dutch. It's Cup. Ajax Cup.
1: Yeah, I did see it, and uh, Ajax even tied the game up at one point after they went down two nil, I believe. Yeah. Um. So that's that's quick. awesome.
0: They tied it up quick. It was like an 85th and 89th or something like that. Yeah. They that's called it the KNVB awesome. Cup. There you go.
1: Might as well be the Ajax Cup. Um,
0: that's no, super that... disrespectful. I'm sure they've won it the most, though. Um,
1: yeah. No, that's awesome. You love to see cup sets like that.
0: Fourth division, bro. That's actually... I mean, Ajax just continue to just to fail left and right. Um, Ajax have the most titles with 20. Yeah, there you go. Um, this IX team just continue to fail left and right. Um, they do. It's It's pretty sad and you know i'm not really sure where they go from here um but you know we're coming towards the end of 2023 i wanted to get okay so do you want to do this for the whole calendar year of 2023 or do you want to do this for the just the halfway point of the season of 2023
1: i would say halfway point just because my brain my brain's been overloaded
0: yep um so just couple quick questions here. Uh, maybe yeah. I can share the screen so um the people can see what we're talking about. Um Sure. So best player for 2023 in your opinion, most underrated player in 2023, the most improved player in 2023, the best signing, the best goal, the best match and the your favorite moment of 2023.
1: Well, best player you automatically kind of start to think to Leverkusen just because they have been the best team so far this season. That's a good so guys one. like guys like Frimpong or Verts pop up. I'll go with Frimpong just because what he's doing is sort of unprecedented. You know, you talk awesome. about attacking wingbacks like Trent over the last few years, but I just want to go with Frimpong. Uh this that's, is a guy you've been awesome. talking about for a long time.
0: Oh, that's my guy, bro. Yeah. That's my guy. Um for me, the best player. Obviously, I have to be biased here. It's, it's got to be Jude Bellingham, right? That's a good. One. I mean, that's a good one. I mean, the dude is Ballon d'Or favorite right now. You'd have to say. No. Um, yeah. I don't really think I need to explain it actually any more than that. Um. And so moving on, who's been the most underrated player in 2023? I know who my mind's thinking about. This
1: is a this is a great question. Um. For what Aston V has done, I would go with Douglas Louise. His ability just to carry and he progress. Was the actually,
0: ball. His, he was actually in my head. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, no, he's, he's great. He's fantastic. He's been yeah. fantastic.
0: Um, but actually, I'm going to go with someone who really doesn't get a lot of. Um, He's getting a lot he's not really getting a lot of uh flowers from a lot of people and he's been one of the best players in La Liga this season. Um and I'm gonna go with Miguel Gutierrez of Girona. I think he's been a massive reason for why they've been so successful this year. Um and I, I there's a couple Girona players I could have went with. I was thinking of Alex Garcia, I was thinking of yeah. Brobnak, the striker, um Savino. Um, But I wanted to get a, you know, when looking at this list, you feel like you have to get some players in from the best team. Another player I was thinking of was James Madison. Um, Yeah. Because he's been, he he hasn't really been talked about much this year, but he's been quite good. Um, Yeah. Moving on, who's been your most improved player this season?
1: Most improved? That's an interesting one. Uh Alright, do you wanna go first?
0: Yeah, I can. Um <laughs> this has been this has actually been a tough tough one for me. Um but I, I think I'm gonna go with the person that we've been that we were just talking about and I think I'm gonna go with Xerxes. Yeah. Um, a good someone one. that someone that, you know, uh he was on everybody's radar but he kind of fell off our radars, um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh he's someone that's kinda of come out flying this year and probably needed the backing of a manager like Diego Mota to finally get him going.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, well, coming back to mine, I, I, fi- I figured it out. It's Hakan Talonoglu. Um, that's
0: such a good one, bro. Yeah. God, you're, you, you shot me there, man. Um, the thing I'm, is, I'm not even, you, you want to type his name? Cause I don't want to try yeah, to spell that. I got you. <laughs> I know how to spell it, but I'm going to mess it up either way. Um, Dude, and the way that, that they moved him from a 10 to a 6 this year, I mean, yeah. it's pure esque It's, you know, uh, I, I say it all the time, like, a lot of the top midfielders, you know, like, when they kind of get older and they become more smart, and they become more smart, and they become smarter. Yeah, um, wiser. You know, they get dr- yeah, they get dropped deeper when they become more intelligent when the IQ is well-rounded and he's the epitome of that. He's a guy who's been a 10 his whole career and I'm not, who's the inter-manager now? I don't even know. Um, he's like, Hey, play the six this year. And he's been fantastic that I think you win that category easily. (laughs) Um, appreciate that. Yeah. So best signing, um, there, there wasn't really that many signings this summer. It was kind of a smaller transfer window. Um, but who would you say was the best signing in the world this year? It's 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 tough. Um, there's there's one that kind of sticks out here, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that one.
1: Well, I could obviously piggyback off of you saying Jude Bellingham. That's um, what my mind was at, obviously. But I will say James Madison just to add on to you know have he, some diversity. He deserves
0: to be on this list at, at some point. Um, yes, he's been um, fantastic.
1: Before he got injured, he was. Probably the best player in the Premier League. I'd agree with I'd that. Say. I would say, um, just an all-around baller. He was integral to our build-up, linking defensive midfield and then midfield and attack, popping up with goals. And uh, he's you know wearing Kane's number ten right away and doing it justice. So,
0: yeah. And he allowed Son to get further up pitch. Uh, yes, which is the big big thing. Um, so for me, I'm going with a free transfer. He actually leads the best team in the world in goals and assists this year. I'm going with Grimaldo. Yeah, that's Um, a good one. Been sliding in at left back, left wing back, essentially, um, left mid, whatever you want to call him. And he actually inverts. He does the opposite of what Frimpong does. Frimpong's a drive, the baseline, hit a cutback. Grimaldo's kind of operating in that, uh, half space. Um, zone 14, left to zone 14. And he's been quite fantastic this season. Um, him and Frimpong, if either of them go down, it's hard to see um, Leverkusen keeping their, uh, their their potential this year. And also, I don't know if you know, but I didn't realize this until I actually looked at the squad. On um, that game before international break, not international break, before Christmas break, Chabi Alonso rotated all of his Afghan players out of the lineup.
2: Mm. That's so um,
0: he was, yeah, he was working with the guys that, um, so no Boniface. So that's why Patrick Six started. I want to say it was uh, Stansnick came in for uh, Kus, Kus, you know what I'm talking about? A-O-U-S-S-O-N-E. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sure it's yeah. Um, But yeah, so, you know, he took out all of his AFCON players and rotated some guys in. Um, This one's going to be a little bit more difficult because uh, you got to rack the brain for this one. Uh, yeah. Best goal of the season.
1: I was, uh, I was thinking about it as soon as I saw it. I, it's gotta be Garnacho's bike,
0: right? I mean, you can go with that. Yeah. That's I what mean, I, I think. Probably. I mean, uh, you know, that was one of the best goals of the year for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with something a little bit different. I'm going to go with a big, big goal. Um, plus a good goal. Uh, Jude's Jude's thirty yard uh, smash mm. against Barcelona. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Just because I think the moment, the hit, all of it has just yeah. been. It, it just all led up to a fantastic moment. Um, your best match of the year. Mm.
1: I'm gonna go with. Please forgive me because I need to figure out which one it was. Spurs have had so many late comebacks over the years.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But it was I mean, the this latest is obviously
0: come- personal preference, you know what yeah. I mean?
1: It was um, the latest comeback in Premier League history. And it was not Crystal Palace.
0: <laughs> I got a um I got a couple in my head. I got a Tottenham Tottenham the- Liverpool is what it was 2 one 2 one okay that's a a good shot i remember that one um
1: obviously lots of controversy as well um yes i was i was very hype um you know for the youtube version i might even put a video of me after the game um it was pretty crazy
0: that's that's great man um obviously my bias comes in here um what Do I want to say a Real Madrid match or do I want to say? I gotta go. I gotta go with um. A Real Madrid v Real for me. Um, just because. I really, really enjoyed the thrashing of them. Um, <laughs> it was just a complete domination. It was probably the best performance I'd seen from Real Madrid this year. Um, yeah, it was just all around. Uh, fantastic for me. You know, obviously. Is it actually the best match of the season? Fuck no. Um, yeah. Leverkusen smashing Stuttgart is up there too. You know. Um, what's what's been your favorite moment up to this point? Favorite moment. Mm.
1: A few pop up. I want to say United getting knocked out of the UCL. <laughs>
0: oh man. Just as like. Um, that's that's as
1: a, I mean. As a Spurs fan. You know, someone who has to sort of look to things outside of ourselves sometimes for some joy, that is one of them.
0: I I don't blame you. Um, and actually, for me, my favorite moment has, has essentially been just Javi Alonzo experience at Leverkusen, man. Yeah. Um, I've just been so happy to see it. I watched most of their games. Um, and, you know, from a guy that I've actually met, in person a guy that i grew up not idolizing but kind of idolizing his game you know it's been it's been amazing um when i met him i was like come coach real Madrid come on um and he was like it was just after we won the champions league and he was like no 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 not yet not yet i was like in the future and he's like in the future if i get asked by Florentino i was like damn like um just He's just one of my favorites, man. And like that moment obviously like put him even higher on my list because he was such a genuine nice guy. But Yeah. Just just watching him succeed at Leverkusen this year and last year, um has just been it, it's kind of been the pinnacle for me. Um respect of football this season. That and like the Jude Bellingham just the whole Jude Bellingham thing. But you know, I yeah. got Jude in here twice. Um <laughs> so you know, as you can see, I'm very uh, La Liga gone, but you know, I have the I have the Serie A here, I have the yeah. Bundesliga here, I got the Bundesliga here. So, um, you know, and I I I, I like this list we've actually compiled. I think it, it's it's quite it's with our biases, but it's also quite fair. Um, and each and every single person has actually. Deserving. When you said the Leverkusen team, I, I was thinking, I was like, is he going to go Vert? Is he going to go Grimaldo? Is he going to go Boniface? You know, because there's so many guys you can actually go on that team. Um, yeah. And, you know, just, just been just been amazing. Um, If you want, we can continue adding to this list. You know, we can go best forward, best midfielder, best defender, or we can just say we're very happy with this.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good list. I obviously am leaning a bit on Prem. But um, yeah, I uh, I was mad you stole Xerxes from me, but I'm it's so fine. I'm so sorry.
0: It's fine. I'm so sorry. Is that the one where you made me go first? I
1: think uh, that's the one you made
0: me go first. So
1: yeah, it was. It was.
0: <laughs> is that is that where you were leaning?
1: I was, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to say someone that we had just talked about. You know.
0: Oh, Okay, that's fair. Um, I anyways. I think it's fair to give players their flowers, you know, um, for sure, for sure. But thank you all for listening. And this is the football philosophy podcast. Go listen to us on wherever you listen to podcasts. And we also post these on YouTube. If you want to see our faces, even though I know, I don't know if you check the Spotify ones, but it actually does have our video on the Spotify ones too. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. You can either watch it with video or without video. Totally your call. Um, and, you know, share with some friends that like football and everyone enjoy your holidays, enjoy your New Year. We'll be back after Boxing Day. I think we are talking, we'll do a podcast Friday. Um, Friday morning or Thursday night after the Boxing Day events, you know, I know it goes on for a couple of days. Um, finish, and then we'll be back after the weekend. And then La Liga picks up again January 3rd. That's, it seems far away, but it's really right there. Nah. Um, and then the league on in Bundesliga pickup on January 12th um thank you all for listening and you guys all have a wonderful holiday thanks Kev it's always it's always great
1: it was a pleasure